in what would become his most famous story that he ever told. Jesus told an amazing parable, the parable of the prodigal, in which a young man, a younger son, somehow convinces his wealthy father to give him the inheritance that he would receive upon the father's death. Many of you know this story well. The younger son takes all of that money and he runs off to a foreign country where he wastes all of the money and he spends it on the most offensive things possible. Finally, when that younger son has reached the end of his rope, the end of himself, he decides to return. So he turns back towards his father's property thinking to himself, I couldn't possibly be received back as a son. I have forfeited that right. So I'll go back to my father and become a hired servant. Well, he comes up to his father's property, and to his surprise, he sees that his father comes running off the porch towards his son. And instead of pouring out his wrath upon his son, the due wrath, he pours out grace. He gives his rebellious son a hug and a kiss, a ring on his finger, a cloak over his shoulders, and then he throws him an extravagant, expensive party. And he says, my son was dead, and now he is alive, he is lost, and now he is found. Meanwhile, there's an older brother in the equation, and he looks on on all of this, and he feels like he deserves the nice party because he's been obedient all along. But in both cases, the father truly wants his sons simply to return to him. He wants the hearts of his sons. In this story that Jesus told, really, it's a perfect story. It's a perfect encapsulation of the gospel. It's a perfect way of describing the basic pattern of relationship between us humans and our God. Because of sin, we run off, we squander all that God has given us, we waste it all. And some of us decide when we reach the end of ourselves, we decide to return back to the Father. And like that younger son, many of us expect that when we come back to our Father, we're not going to experience His grace, we're going to experience His anger or His disappointment in all that we've done. But instead, we see that God pours himself out. He pours out his grace. He pours out his love. And he receives us home. This is the basic pattern of relationship between us and God. He wants us to return to him. And he desires our hearts. And he pours himself out for us. This truth, this basic pattern of the relationship between us and God is told in the parable of the prodigal, but it has echoes all throughout Scripture. And one of those echoes is found here in Joel chapter 2. God wants us to return to Him. He desires our hearts, and He pours Himself out for us. God wants us to return to Him. Let's read about it in Joel chapter 2. This is verse 12. I'll read it again. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, 
with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord. You see, the rest of the book of Joel is filled with pretty strong words of judgment. God sees his people. They've turned their back from him. And they rebel in many ways, and God speaks to them words of judgment, saying, you are getting what you deserve. And then this word of hope comes springing forth, and he says, yet even now, return to me with half your heart. No, with all your heart, with all your heart, return to me. And then he says this interesting thing, rend your hearts and not your garments. You see, the people of God, they would go into worship, they would go into God's temple or the tabernacle, and they would show God how sorry they are for how they've turned their backs on him. And they would tear their clothes And they would say, Lord, we have sinned against you. And God says to them, I want you to tear your hearts open, not just your clothes one more time. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to me with all your heart. I have something I want to pour out into your open heart. I don't just want to hear your confession of sins. I want you to turn. I want you to return back to me. I want true repentance, says God. Let me just explain to you now the the difference between confession, which we're kind of used to, and true repentance. Because repentance, as it shows us here in Joel chapter 2, repentance is turning back towards God. Confession is saying, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. But repentance is turning from that sin back toward God. You see, God created us to be in perfect relationship with Him, to see Him, to behold Him on His throne, to see Him face to face, to worship and adore Him as our sovereign King, to serve Him on His throne. But sin does this interesting thing. Sin sees that we are beholding God face to face on his throne. And sin says, oh, hey, but look at that interesting throne over there. And we turn from God. We turn our backs to God. And we place false gods on the thrones of our lives. Sometimes it's our career. Sometimes it's the success of our children. We put all kinds of things on the throne of our lives that are not the one true sovereign king. Basically, in one way or another, we place ourselves on the throne of our lives. This is why we take so many selfies all the time. Because it's really just ourselves that we're worshiping. And and we've turned from God and we worship this false God. And God says to us, I want you to return to me. And sometimes we just offer him confession. We say, forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. Forgive me, I'm sinning. I see that this is wrong, but please forgive me, God. And God says, I want you to repent. I want you to return to me. I want to see you face to face. God says, I want your heart. I want you. I want you to come back to me. I don't just want your confession. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to me, says God. And if we put these words from the father in Joel on the lips of the prodigal father, which I think is altogether appropriate, we can picture the prodigal father on his porch calling out to his son, saying, return to me with all your heart. I want you back as my son. You see, the father who saw his his wealth get depleted and wasted by his greedy son, the father on the porch could have been yelling, return to me with all my money. But he says, return to me with all your heart. Please, come home. Repent. 
Turn from your wicked ways. Turn back towards me. I designed you to be in relationship with me. Return to me with all your heart, says God. I can think of really only two reasons why we, why we don't, why we stay focused on the false gods of our life. Either we remain infatuated with the, whatever thing we've put on the throne of our lives, or we don't return because we're ashamed. We don't want to turn back and face the Father. And I'm telling you that uh, if you're still infatuated with the false God you've put on the throne of your life, eventually, one day, it will fail you. It will come crumbling. You will reach the end of yourself, just like the prodigal son. There will come a time when you want to turn back to the Father. But many of us have a bit of a hang-up. We realize that we've sinned. We want to return back to the Father, but we're afraid to see His face. Do you remember the face when you're little and you've done something naughty? The face of your father, the face of your mother. The worst one for me was the face of disappointment on my mom's face. I couldn't stand looking at my mom's face when she was disappointed in me. So sometimes we realize we have to return to God, but we're afraid to see his face. We think it's going to be full of wrath or anger, but follow with me now. Halfway through verse 13, Joel sets it up for us. He says, return to the Lord with Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. We can return to God. He's not going to pour out his wrath. He's going to pour out his love. Do you hear what we sing to one another at the end of every service? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. The Lord turn his face toward you and be gracious. There's a reason we pray that to one another every single week in the rending of our hearts and the returning to God. We behold his face, the light of his countenance. It's full of peace and grace, not anger. Return. He wants you. He wants your heart. You can come home. And look what he does. Look what he does. We know the Father. We hear this week after week. The Father pours out his mercy. Jesus pours out his very life. And here the Spirit participating in the full Godhead. The Spirit says, I will pour out myself upon you when you rend your heart, when you return to me. Verse 28. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. Now, I just have to tell you how radical this statement must have sounded in the ancient world. Do you realize that In the ancient world, if you were a male, you had some property. The property included cattle, the property sometimes included land, and the property included women. And look what it says here, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on your sons and your daughters. 
Your daughter shall prophesy. Do you know how radical that would have sounded in the ancient world? Old men, young men, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. And then the huge kicker comes, even on your male and female servants, I will pour out my flesh. Sometimes the Bible has to go out of its way to show us the meaning of grace. What this is showing us is that you can't be old enough, you can't be man enough, you can't be young enough, you can't be whatever enough, because when God pours himself out, he does not discriminate. God's spirit, God's grace, God's love is available to everybody, not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it. Not because we're in some kind of hierarchical structure at the top of it and we receive it first. I will pour out my, my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Old men, young men, children. It's available to everybody. God is just eager. Do you see the eagerness of God to pour himself out upon us? He says, rend your hearts, open up your hearts, not don't tear your clothes, don't just give me confession of sin anymore. Open up your hearts because I'm trying to pour myself into you. Rend your hearts. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came rushing into God's people, God's people got to experience, they got to see the manifest presence, the evidence of the fulfillment of this promise. They got to see those tongues of fire above their heads. People were speaking the gospel in whatever language needed to be heard in that place. It was really obvious that God's spirit was being poured out on all flesh. So my question for us this morning is, is that just some story from long ago and far away? Is God still pouring out his spirit on all flesh? He is. Some of you have tasted it even today. There's tears in your eyes as we sing or as you hear the word. That's his spirit being poured out upon you. I could tell many, many, many stories of evidences of the Holy Spirit, of God's grace and God's presence being poured out just in this room. I want to give you a couple of them. Your children... Will dream dreams. You know there's children in this church who will receive prophetic words from God. I want to give you some proof right now. So there's no children in the room, right? There are a couple who hang around to hear the sermon. Mostly all of our children leave before the sermon is preached. But many of them use these little um, note cards that are in the pews, these little guys. They just doodle for those first 20 minutes of the service. A lot of children do it. There's little golf pencils in the pews. And a lot of the children just kind of doodle unconsciously. They just doodle things. For whatever reason, there's several children in the church who just come to me after the children's sermon, and they just hand me their their drawing. And I just collect them. I've got a big collection of drawings from the children. And uh, uh, you would be amazed at what they draw. The Spirit is speaking to the children of this church. Just a few Sundays ago, Pastor Jackie preached on the tree of life. Now, remember this. The children are gone before the sermon is preached. They doodle before they ever hear anything from the pulpit about the word. A few Sundays ago, a little girl, a five-year-old girl, handed me this drawing. Matthew, can you put up that first one? Remember Pastor Jackie preached that day on the tree of life? It grows on both sides of the river and it bears fruit. You remember that? That little girl, her parents told me she never draws pictures of trees. She just handed me that a few Sundays ago. And later, Pastor Jackie, the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. 
that little girl has an open heart to receive it. A few Sundays before that, don't show the next picture yet. Uh, most Sundays, every Sunday, we pastors pray in the service before the services in the prayer chapel. And almost every single Sunday, I pray something like, Lord, uh, I pray that they would behold you. Not that they would just hear the word, not that they would just experience a nice moment, but that, would, that they would behold you face to face. And several Sundays ago, I didn't pray that. And I remember Pastor Chuck prayed in our pastoral prayer beforehand. He said, Lord, I pray what Nathan usually prays, <laughs> that, uh, that they would just behold you today. And look what this little boy, this eight-year-old boy handed me at the end of that service. It says, love, 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 love. There's a big I at the bottom, and it says, look at God. The Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. Four summers ago, we preached a series on Moses. I don't know if any of you remember that. There was a four-year-old boy who handed me this drawing. And I said, what is that? And he said, well, it's three parts. On the left, that's Moses seeing God on the mountain. You see the thunder coming down? That's God's power speaking to Moses. The middle one, those are footprints across the dry land and the Red Sea when God split the Red Sea. And on the right, that's Moses striking the rock where the water pours out. Four-year-old boy drew that. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I want to give you one more story. A few Sundays ago, we had a visitor here from Brazil. Uh, Fabio and Esther are pretty new to the church. They sit up here. If you haven't met Fabio and Esther, you're in for a real treat. They're really awesome people. And uh, Fabio's family was visiting from Brazil, and they don't speak any English at all. So it was nice greeting them and shaking their hands and smiling at them, but, you know, there was no communication in English at all. And Fabio's brother was here, and... Um, uh, didn't understand a word that was being spoken in this place. And uh, Fabio's brother has some kind of condition. It's kind of like autism, where he doesn't express emotion very much. And Fabio and Esther were telling me the story about how um, they've only seen Fabio's brother cry one time in their lives. It was at their wedding. Well, he came here. He sat up in the balcony, didn't understand a word that was being spoken. But then he went and he took communion at the end of the service. And he went back and he sat in his pew and he cried like a baby. Why is that? Why is that? The Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. Children, visitors from Brazil, anybody. He doesn't discriminate. There's no hierarchy. There's no earned spirit. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. God says, return to me. Come home. I want your heart. Turn your face back towards me. I see your sin and all of it. I see the false gods you've placed on the throne of your life. I want you to return to me. You're going to see my smiling face of grace and peace, and he will receive us home. He's trying to pour himself out. The only people who forfeit the pouring out, they won't receive the Holy Spirit are people with closed hearts. God says, rend your hearts to receive me. Fill your sail and receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know how he's going to manifest himself in your life. It's probably going to be different for all of us. The children are doodling prophetic pictures. The visitors are receiving tears and the presence of God in communion. Others of you might receive a dose of wisdom this week that you didn't have before. 
There's many different ways that his spirit, when, it, when it's poured out, we receive it into our lives, it manifests itself. What he wants is our return and our hearts to be open to receive it. So come home. Come home to the Father and receive his spirit that he's pouring out. Amen.